0: plus shoes
1: recorded live <laughs> Thank okay. you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, no, it's no longer Almost not. It's <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thank you, Father, for this day. We thank you that everyone here in our midst and over the Internet is alive today. Lord, I could have been in prison, should have been in prison, could have died, should have died, but your mercy was upon me. You had greater things for us. We all could have died. We all could have been out in the world now. That you had greater plans for us. You have chosen us. You have brought us to you. You have called us by our name. And now we can call you by your name, Jesus. Name above all names. And while the world will follow Satan, that evil name. While the world will follow Allah, that evil name. Buddha and all kinds of false names and lies of the world. We choose to follow you this day, Lord Jesus. We have come to where you have appointed us to come. We have heard your call. And we ask you, Lord, now to shine upon us, warm our bones, our bodies, souls, and help us, God, to focus upon you, not focus upon our bodies and our flesh with a focus upon You, your word, to receive Your Word, that we may receive Your Spirit and Your Word into our lives
0: more. Now, in these
2: last days, than ever before, this is a time for us to be serious and not be playing games. We ask, Lord God, that You wake us up, Lord. Shake us and help us to get to the point where we need to be. Strong soldiers, in your kingdom, in your army, in these last days. Lord, help us, save us, and deliver us. Help those that listen over the phone and over the Internet, and please help us, God, that the message, the sound, the voice will go over the Internet loud and clear today, regardless of the hindrances, regardless of the Internet problems, regardless of the problems with my microphone that they will hear the message loud and clear without problem. We pray that there be no hindrances in their homes, in their computers, in their phones, but that your word will go forth unhindered this day in their lives and in our lives, our ears and our hearts. Please help us to have ears to hear and eyes to see more now than ever before. Let us not be blind. Let us not accept any false doctrine of man, but only the truth to be spoken this day. Strike me down, God, if I say anything wrong. If I say anything that's not true, strike me down, give me a heart attack this day. I ask, God, for only the truth to so help my soul. Give me the truth to give to your people, Lord. I am not to be a wimp, but I am to be bold, apostle of your kingdom. To help me to fulfill it, what you have called me to do, help these people, Lord, to hear Your word and not mine. Your will be done. Thy kingdom come. In Jesus' holy name, so
0: be it. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, let's
2: go to. Romans 13, book of Romans, chapter 13.
0: Romans, chapter 13, starting in verse 1. Romans chapter thirteen, verse one. God is so good. 13, verse 1. In Romans
2: 13, verse 1, it says, Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. It doesn't make any exception there. Is pretty complete, that there is no authority except from God. And those which which exist are established by God. So that means even the evil empires of Saudi Arabia, Iran, Obama, all the other evil empires on the nation, city councilmen, so forth, police, everything else, everything is established by God. God is in control, total control. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the first, the last, the beginning, the end. He saw the end from the beginning. He did not make a mistake. He knew what would happen. He knew who he would create, who would be born, who uh, would accept him, who would not accept him who would be king, who would be president, who would be governor, who would be a police officer, who would be a doctor, who would be a nurse. He knew all things. He ordained all things. He is in control. So whenever we see evil things happen, by our local, national governments, we must remember God is in control, that he put these governments on this planet. You see how in Daniel's time, they was under the Babylonian Empire. Now, the Babylonian Empire was evil. The Babylonian Empire had all kinds of demonic doctrines, false doctrines. That was against God. But according to Scripture, God himself brought King Nebuchadnezzar to power and kept him in power until the very day of his death then brought the next king and the next king and the next king (laughs) and all throughout the empire, the Media Persia Empire, the Iranian Empire, the Greek and Roman Empire. All these empires were evil,
0: but God brought them in (laughs) appointed them to come to be for a reason, for reason and for a time. So, it don't matter
2: if something's evil. If some, of course, it matters, but I'm saying that even if something's evil, and we don't like it, we detest it, it's got a reason to be there. We should resist evil. We shouldn't follow evil. We shouldn't allow evil into our hearts and into our minds. But the devil exists for a reason. The government exists for a reason. Obama is there for a reason. And God is in control. Obama will leave office, when God is done with him. Now in verse 2, it says, Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. And when this was written, there was a group, a cult, a false religion group called the Zealots zealots, zealot, something like that. And what they believed, partly, some of their doctrines was, is that they didn't want any of the Greek language to exist. They fought against the Greek language. They thought it was a pagan language. They would only embrace the Syrian tongue. That is the only tongue they would embrace at the Syrian tongue. They fought against the Greek language. And they also fought against... Uh, the Roman government, the Greek government, and they thought that they they, that they, they thought that they should not be subject to the laws of man. They thought that the only laws that they needed to follow, the only government they needed to follow, is only God's, not man's. <laughs> Excuse me, because I'm still fighting the cold. But today, there is a revival of that same cult. It's called the Hebrew Roots cult. And they have the same doctrine. That they fight against the Greek language. The only language that they accept for the scriptures is the Syrian tongue. <coughs> and they think that we should not follow the laws of man. My landlord is like that. He is what the Bible would call devil. And, and there's a lot of people like that. A lot of not only the Hebrew cults, but a lot of people here in East Tennessee, the good old rebel boys, that they think we don't have government, only God. But this says completely different. This says, "There's 2, therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. the word authority there in the context of this chapter is talking about man's authority. Is that not true? Verse 1, verse 2, talking about there's no government, no authority that God has not brought into being. Verse 2, whoever resists those authorities that God has brought into the end, we oppose the orderance of God. That word orderance means law, commandment. It is the law of God that we obey man. And they have opposed and received condemnation upon themselves. They will receive condemnation upon themselves. So,
1: if uh, the law says,
2: that we're supposed to go only 55 miles per hour. We go 70, 75, 100 miles, and I've been guilty of it myself. But if we break that law, law, steel, whatever, if we break man's law, <clears throat> sooner or later, we'll be called eventually for doing something wrong, if we continue to do wrong. <laughs> and then we are fined. We get a ticket, had to go to court, so on, and then we're like, how dare he pull me over? That ain't right. It ain't right. It ain't just. What a wicked nation. What a wicked law. That ain't, that ain't a righteous law. I wish that judge would die, so on so on. You wait till that police officer is not home. I'll shoot up his house. Whatever. But we brought the condemnation on ourselves. That police officer, that judge, that governor, that president, did not point a gun to our head and say, okay, you must go 100 miles per hour. Instead, they said, go 55 so that you don't run into my brother, my daughter, my granddaughter and kill them. But no, uh, the rules are not good enough. I don't have to obey the rules because I know better than the government. So we bring condemnation on ourselves. Nobody's fault for our own. Verse 3, for rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. So if we're under good behavior, there's no reason to fear that, but for evil. If we are breaking the law of man, if we are breaking the law of God, then we have reason to fear. Do you want to have no fear of authority? (laughs) Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. Do what is good, the police will praise you. Do what is good, verse 4. For it is a minister of God to you for good. The police, the government, the laws is actually a service to us. A minister, that word minister means serve. It's a service of God to you for the good, to protect you and your family and society. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. Yes, be afraid. Everybody's like, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. All evil all fear is wrong, is what people preach. But they're not reading this verse. And they're also not reading the verse that says that Noah was saved by fear. There is a righteous fear, a wrong fear and a righteous fear. This is a righteous fear, to fear the law if we are breaking the law. It keeps us in line. That if you do what is evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For, verse 6, for because of this, you also pay taxes for rulers or servants to God devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them, tax to whom tax is due, that means if you get an invoice, pay that tax. We are subject to the government. God put that government in power. Custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, again, a righteous form of fear, honor to whom honor is. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Now, to fulfill the law means to do away with the law or to fill it to the brim. The word fulfill is actually completely opposite of delete or do away with. It means to bring to fulfillment. Fulfill the law. Verse 9. For this you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. So... These are the Ten Commandments. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. What does this mean? That all law, man's law and God's law, is there in order to love your neighbor. You don't want to run into your neighbor at 100 miles per hour. You don't want to rob your neighbor. You don't want to murder your neighbor because that you love your neighbor. So man's law or based on God's law, especially here in the United States. Our law originally was based on the Ten Commandments, and that is a fact of history. God did establish this nation. I don't care who was a free nation. God established this nation. We are the tribes of Israel, and we have the blessings of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God wants you to use a donkey, let him use a donkey. He wants you to use a Freemason, let him use a Freemason. This nation was established on the law of God, and God brought this nation into being. But now this nation has forsaken God, and this nation will be judged, just like any nation will be judged, because we have forsaken these laws. And man no longer cures. Americans no longer cure. About these laws. The Bible says in the end times that love will wax cold, and that is so true. Now, people have no respect for themselves, their own lives, or the lives of others. That's why people can carelessly drive. That's why people can carelessly drive. You know, you can tell a Democrat and Republican by how they drive. <laughs> You can tell a lost so or a saved soul by the way they drive. Democrats have those stupid bumper stickers and they have stupid colors of cars and stupid models of cars, whereas conservatives and saved people have decent-looking cars. Well, they could be junky-looking, but at least a decent model of cars and at least decent bumper stickers. So... Then you can always tell a Democrat woman driver how oh, she's looking at lipstick in your mirror, You don't see seek the service of drivers like that. <laughs> but I'm just telling the truth, am I not? And then there's a lot of people that go to church and they think they're saved and they think they're for services and they think they're all right and they think they're going to heaven, but for a drive-in, own. they're alone. They're all over the road, not using turn signals, not doing this, not doing that. They're not obeying any law of man because they don't care for their own life, your life, and anybody else around them. They're not saved and they're just going to church in vain. They might as well just stay home. So your driving, tells them. So let's obey man's law. You didn't know he was going to a driver's course today. <laughs> okay. Now, let's go to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2. 1 Peter, chapter 2. Over there next to the book of Revelation, going in that direction. 1 Peter, chapter 2.
0: verse 13. 1 Peter 2, verse 13. Verse 13 says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human
1: institution,
2: rather to a king as the one in authority or to the governors, as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. So it says here again, again in verse 13, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. So that word submit, bring yourself under submission, that takes being humble. That's opposite of pride. That's opposite of saying, I know better. That's opposite of making excuses. It is bringing yourself under submission. But it says it's for the Lord's sake that you do this, that we bring ourselves under submission to these rulers of man, kings, governors, so forth. Why is it for the Lord's sake? It's because these things are teaching us things. It's making us become humble. It's making us less proudful, less rebellious. It's getting us to everything on this earth is a model of what's in heaven, that you got your earthly king and then your godly king, your earthly judge and your earthly laws, then your godly judge and your uh, godly laws. Everything here on earth is a model, and even your husband and wife family unit is a model of Christ and the bride. So everything we go through in this life, no matter how hard it is, how difficult it may be, how challenging it may be, is for a reason that God is in control, that God designed everything like a great architect to every piece of the frame of the building together in the right place to bring us to where we need to be in alignment with God. So when we're in alignment with man's laws, it is bringing us, it is like a crop factor. Man's laws are like a crop factor to realign us to submitting ourselves to the Lord. So when a woman submits herself to her husband, it is to teach her to submit herself to God. When we submit ourselves to man's authority, it is teaching us to submit ourselves to God. So then verse 14, or to the governor is sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. 15, for such is the will of God that by doing right, that you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil. In other words, do not use your freedom as a covering for evil. Don't say, by mercy and grace, I can do anything I want to do. By mercy and grace, I don't have to obey man's laws. And just because I'm under God's law, I don't have to obey man's laws. Yet we are free men in one sense but do not use your freedom as a covering for wrong deeds or for breaking the law, but use it as bond slaves of God. Bond slaves of God. That word bond slave means that we are still under some kind of requirement, that we are still chained, we are still slaves to God. Paul said that he is a prisoner of God. Back in the Civil War, when the slaves were freed, some of them stayed with their masters because they loved, I'm not saying a whole lot did, but some of them stayed with their masters, the ones that treated them right, those that were Christian-based, those that were Christian-minded, those that treated their slaves with love and honor and respect and even taught them the Bible, that when they were free, they're like, no, i just stay here with you. And that's the way we are with God. We have free will to walk away anytime we want. But it's, no, I'd rather stay with you. I'm chained to you. I am willing to be your slave. I am willing to do anything you command me to do. It may hurt sometimes. It may be difficult sometimes. But I choose to stay chained to you. I will not serve any other. I am a bond slave of God. Verse 17. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Righteous fear. Honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, Only, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. So, even if it may seem nonsense to us to fasten our seatbelts, even though it may be nonsense for us to go 30 when the speed limit should be 45, even
0: if it's unreasonable we are to obey. Verse 19, For
2: this finds favor. If for the sake of conscience toward God a person bears up under sorrows and suffering unjustly, for what credit is there if, when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if, when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. So you've got to always do what's right. You've got to always obey God. You've got to obey man, And if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you and give you favor. So these are examples of submitting to the law of God, I mean to the law of man, that we may obey God. But now, let's go a little bit different direction now. Let's go to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Acts. Or is it Romans? Acts. Right after John, book of Acts.
0: Acts chapter 5. Actually let's start in chapter four, Acts four, verse thirteen. Acts four, verse thirteen. I wonder if there's a way to get those lights on on purpose. No, they come on automatically at dark. Everything's already on, let me just come on and start. Acts four, verse thirteen.
2: Verse thirteen says, Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. Fifteen, But when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to prefer with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? What shall we do with Peter and John? For the fact... that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them as apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Verse 17. But so that it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. Talk about the name of Jesus. So when they had summoned them, they commanded them, talking about Peter and John, not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. When you look in Greek there, the actual words that, that uh, the writer of the book of Acts, Luke, Luke wrote the book of Acts. And what he actually wrote was Jesus. He didn't write Yeshua, Yahshua, Yahweh, or any such thing, or Jehovah. He only wrote Jesus. It is the name of Jesus that these people commanded that they not speak or preach or teach in the name of Jesus. So this was by the authorities, by man's government,
1: the ruling
2: authorities made this commandment. And we know that usually we're supposed to obey the commandments of the rulers. But in this case, no way, right? No way. So this is an exception, of course. That if there is to disobey God or not do what is right, then we've got to obey God first, right? Amen. Verse 19. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. But we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. When they had threatened them farther, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them, and on, on account of the people, because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. For the man was more than 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. In other words, because Peter and John kept all the laws of man and God, except for this one one issue, which was a new commandment of man, they couldn't find no other fault. They couldn't say, well, your record shows you're a lawless man. Your record shows you're rebellious, you're lawless, you're dangerous, you're a felon. felon." You know, they couldn't catch them on nothing else. They were obedient men. They couldn't find any other fault in them. So favor was shown and they let them go. Uh, at that point, at least, but we know that they were in jail for the same thing at a
0: different occurrence. Chapter 5, verse 27. Chapter 5, verse 27. 5, 27. Acts, chapter 5. Verse 27. When they had brought
2: them, they stood before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name. And yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God." rather than men. Is that saying we should never
1: obey man?
2: No, absolutely not. That would be taking it out of context of everything else the scriptures say. We can't take one scripture over and above the other scripture. We've got to take all scriptures and balance them out to where they agree. So in other words, it's not saying we never obey man, but it's saying we must obey God over and above man that if man's commandments, if man's orders, if man's laws say, you can't preach in Jesus' name, you can't distribute these flyers and so forth, you can't preach the gospel, you can't deliver the gospel, you can't deliver the truth to the people, then we must obey God first and do the work of the kingdom. Verse 30, The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging Him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and as a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So it's putting God first in these matters. Putting God first. We know that we need to put God first in all areas of our life. Prayer, fasting, finances, uh, doctrine, beliefs, relationships, and the law, putting God first in all areas of our lives. Let's go to the book of Exodus
0: chapter 1.
2: Exodus 1. Verse 15.
0: <clears throat> Exodus one, verse fifteen. Verse fifteen. Then the king of Egypt spoke to
2: the Hebrew midwives. So Exodus one fifteen. this is the king. We know we're usually, supposedly, to, usually supposed to uh, obey the king, the kings of the
0: earth, usually. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives,
2: one of whom was named uh, Shiprah and the other was named Purah, and he said, When you are helping the Hebrew women to give birth and see them upon the birth stool, if it is a son, then you shall put him to death. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but let the boys live. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, <clears throat> Why have you done this thing and let the boys live? 19, the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are uh, very vigorous and give birth before the midwives can get to them. So God was good to the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very mighty. Because the midwives feared God, he established households for them. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born, you are to cast into the now, and every daughter you are to keep alive, and so forth. Uh, And then eventually, uh, Moses uh, was born with a little baby. He was supposed to be cast into the um, now. Every son who is born, you're cast into the now, to be drowned. Well, guess what? I've never noticed that before. Never heard that preach. He was supposed to be cast into the Nile, and so he was, but in a basket to be saved. So what was meant to kill him saved him. That is wow. So it's amazing how you read something a million times, then finally, finally, finally see it. That's why we have to keep, keep, keep reading. <clears throat> So, but because the midwives feared God and obeyed God over and above man, and so did the parents of Moses. Instead of killing that baby and the midwife that was in charge of that birth, they saved that baby. And he grew up to be a great and mighty man of God, Moses. So we do see that we obey God above man. Daniel chapter 6. Let's go to Daniel 6.
0: Now, a while ago, in
2: the book of Acts, we were talking about that the, the people, the rulers, said you shall not go out and preach in Jesus' name. That's very significant, as you turn to Daniel 6. It's very significant that they were commanded not to preach in Jesus' name, not to teach in Jesus' name, because in our day and time, that's going to happen again. That it is going to come a day when the law of men, under the Muslims, because we see how under Obama, how Islam, it's taken over America, even taking over the school system. We see that with different governors, different congressmen as well. We see that across the world, in the United States and across the world. How that Islam is taking over. And everybody wants to be uh, very uh, like, we will not happen. They will not take over. We will fight to the death. We will gather up a bunch of men, whatever. But I mean, you got to deal eventually. These kings have armies, right? And we we can fight all we can fight off a few men. We can shoot and kill a few men that come after you. But eventually there will be a whole army that you can't fight off and a whole tank that you can't fight off. So it don't do no good to kill a few men. It's coming a day when we're going to have to submit ourselves to the rulers, even the unrighteous rulers. But even then, we have to obey God and not man when it comes to, you know, they say you can't preach in Jesus' name. That day is coming during the end time kingdom of Babylon. Now this Daniel is the perfect book of the Bible to show how that we can be submissive to the government. We can even be part of the government. Daniel was. Joseph was. Daniel was part of the government. Joseph was part of the government. But Daniel started out as being carried away by the soldiers. Daniel started out by being taken as a slave from his homeland to the center of Babylon to be a slave. And because he did not fight, he did not resist, he didn't talk back, he didn't curse those that took him, he submitted himself. He knew God was bringing this on. He knew that God himself, that God Almighty was bringing Babylon into Israel as punishment of Israel. And so he allowed the invaders to take him away. Did not fight, did not resist, did not curse them. He was submissive to the rulers. And because of that, God had favor on him and the rulers had favor on him. So Daniel then was promoted, was brought to the king himself and, and grew through the ranks of the governor, became a great mighty man in the Babylonian government, started out as a slave. Same, same thing happened with Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. And once he was sold, he didn't fight his masters. He didn't fight those in control of him. He submitted himself. He did not curse them or fight back. He submitted himself. God had favor upon him. And the rulers of Egypt had favor upon Joseph. And then Joseph was promoted through the ranks, became a great and mighty man in Egypt. The Bible never tells us to come out of man's government. It tells us to come out of the spirit of Babylon, not sin, but it never tells us that we can't vote, that we shouldn't have nothing to do with the government. That's just being rebellious. The Bible is very, very, very clear that we are to submit ourselves to the king. Also, God told Jeremiah to tell the people to submit to the king of Babylon. Even though the king of Babylon was extremely wicked, God told Jeremiah to submit himself to the king of Babylon. But we know that when these evil kings tell us we cannot preach in Jesus' name, and they will tell us that, we must obey God rather than men. Amen. Now in Daniel 6, verse 1, it seemed good to Darius, that is the king, to appoint 120 separats, that's governors, rulers, over the kingdom that they would be in charge of the whole kingdom. I and mean, over them, three commissioners, of whom Daniel was one. So here Daniel became one of the three commissioners that was over the 120 governors. He was very high up in the government. And God did not tell Daniel, you cannot be part of the government. So it says that these satraps, these lieutenants, these governors, might be accountable to them, to Daniel and that the king might not suffer loss. Verse 3, Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself, Daniel did, among the commissioners and lieutenants, because he possessed an extraordinary spirit, and the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. Verse 4, Then the commissioner, the satraps, the governors, began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs but it could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption. Daniel obeyed all the laws. Inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Verse 5. Then these men said, we would not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find against him with regard to the law of his God. In other words... He's going to obey the law of God. So we've got to use that against him. He is going to obey the law of God. We know that. And if we know one thing, he's going to obey God. That is going to be what we're going to have to use against him. Verse 6 Then these commissioners and separatist lieutenants came by agreement to the king and spoke to him as follows King Darius, live forever all the commissioners of the kingdom, the prefects, which means governors, and the separate, lieutenants or princes. The high officials and the governors have consulted together that the king should establish a statute and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days should be cast into the lion's den. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persia. Persia meaning Iran. This was the kingdom of Iran, who was over Israel at the time, which may not be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed this document, that is the injunction. Now, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now, in his roof chamber, he had windows looking toward Jerusalem. And he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplication before his God. Then they approached the king. We know the rest of the story is that Daniel was thrown into the lion's den because that he was found praying when the law had been signed a new law, a new law had been signed by the king of Iran, saying no man can pray except for to the king, to that human king. Well, Daniel wasn't going to obey that ridiculous law. Not only was it wrong and wicked and unjust, it came in direct conflict of obeying God and obeying the first commandment that we should have no other God for me. We have to keep the Ten Commandments, amen. People will fight, yell, scream, march down the streets to keep the Ten Commandments, but they don't want to to, to display the Ten Commandments, but people don't want to obey the Ten Commandments.
0: But Daniel
2: obeyed the Ten Commandments even to the point to where he was thrown into the lion's den. The day is coming. When the only prayers that we will be allowed <coughs> will not be in Jesus' name, but only prayers that will be allowed in the end-time kingdom of Babylon is prayers to the son of Addition, the one they call the Antichrist. The only one that you will be allowed to preach in his name is in the name of Yahshua, Yahweh, Jehovah, all these false names. But Jesus' name will be outlawed. You will be beheaded. For saying Jesus, and you will be beheaded if you are found praying to Jesus. But if you pray to any of the fake names, if you pray to the Pope, if you pray to the Son of Producer, the Antichrist, the President of Syria, he is the one they call the Antichrist. That will be fulfilled. It will be proven. It is already proven in the Scripture. It's so clear in Scripture. It calls him the Assyrian. It never calls him the Roman. It never calls him the European. It never calls him the American. It never calls him the Israeli. It always calls him the Assyrian and the Prince of Tyre, which is Babylon, and he is control of Babylon as well, uh, and uh, Lebanon, so I'm trying to say. So, everything that's written in the Bible is being repeated in our day and time. History repeats itself. These things were written, everything was written, because we've got to go through the same thing. We're learning from this great cloud of witnesses that's written down for us. They, when they tell us that we can't pray to Jesus, but we have to pray only to the Pope and Osad, we have to pray only to, to the human king, then no way are we going to obey that. We will do that, all the commandments of the king so that there will be no true accusation found against us. I learned a long time ago. You're going to be accused of all kinds of stuff. You're trying to live for God. Everybody's going to have all kinds of accusations against you. I mean, that's going to happen. Whether you live right for God or wrong for God, people are going to accuse you of a million things. But we should not be found guilty of those things they accuse. Because if we are guilty, if their accusations against us are true, then they've got grounds against us. And they, I mean, how are you going to answer to this? We need to be found worthy of the kingdom. Worthy of the kingdom. The scriptures tell us to pray that we be found worthy. (laughs) Everybody wants just a free ticket. Everybody wants God to be like a warlock, a wizard, with a magic wand. I hear you. I bless you. Here's your free ticket to heaven because you believe. But God doesn't want to be a sorcerer. God doesn't want to be a wizard. God wants you to do your part to say that, yes, Lord, I do want. I do want to serve to you. So I choose to cut this away. I choose to stop being with. I choose to obey you. We've got to meet God halfway. It's not all his job. We have free will to choose to live right, to live wrong. Life or death, we have that decision every day, every waking moment we have that decision to obey God or to die. That's a righteous thing, to have that decision. (laughs) It's not a wicked thing. People are like, but I must obey God or die? That makes God wicked. It don't make God wicked. It makes God just. It makes God wise. Because there's going to be no sin in heaven. There'd be no sin in the kingdom of God. So if it wasn't this way, if it wasn't this way, there'd be no such thing as heaven. There'd be no such thing as the kingdom of God. There'd be no such thing as paradise. Because paradise and heaven and the kingdom of God in the future would be just overrun with sin and lawlessness because he's not going to kill and destroy anybody. Thank God he's going to kill people. Thank God he's going to destroy the wicked. Thank God he's going to wipe out every wicked thing and every wicked person. Because otherwise, it'd just be a horrible mess. And it shouldn't, he, he should not have even started it if it's going to come out that way. But since he's the Alpha and Omega, knows the end from the beginning, he knows best. God knows best. We have to submit to his wisdom, we have to submit ourselves. Submit ourselves to one another. Submit ourselves to our... Uh, women, submit yourself to your husbands. Uh, lay members to your pastors. Uh, pastors to the prophets and apostles and so forth. We all have to submit ourselves to somebody. Everybody, all of us have to submit ourselves to somebody. And so, and to God, ultimately, as the head and king of all things. So all of this is written for our edification. Things to think about. We know also that there was this golden statue that they told the three Hebrew children, the three young men, to go and bow down to that golden statue in the book of Daniel, chapter 3. They said, this golden statue, you must bow down to the sound of the music and the harp and the flute and everything. And, and the three Hebrew children refused to bow them, So they
0: were thrown into the fiery furnace. God said this morning, He said, it's not easy and it's not meant to be. It's not easy and it's not meant to be. Paul
2: glorified in his trials, his sufferings, his, his tribulations. He was back whipped, I think three times. He was shipwrecked. He was stoned. He said he was naked and hungry. It's not easy and it's not meant to be. We have to go through these tribulations. We need these tribulations. We should be Thank God my back is killing me. I know that's hard to do. I know it's hard to do. But we've got to get to that point to so where it's like, thank you, God, my car is tore up. Thank you, God, my brakes went out. Thank you, God, I am broke. Thank you, God, I have a cold. Thank you, God, that my back is killing me. Thank you, God, for that person died. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Thank you no no matter how hard it is, to be in thanksgiving to God for everything. He is in control. There's no accident. There's no coincidence. He appoints life and he takes life. He gives, he takes away. He gives you your job, he takes away your job. He appoints a king, he takes away that king, he appoints a new king. He is in control. We have to learn to submit ourselves to him, the king above all kings, king of kings and lord of lords. We've got to learn to stop second-guessing him we got to learn to trust in His wisdom. He is in control. Amen. So every trial, every tribulation we go through, God is working something out. Bringing things where they need to be. Things have to be taken out so that things can be brought in. Things have to be moved around. God is bringing everything
0: together where it needs to be. Now let's go to... Matthew five, Matthew chapter five, verse ten, Matthew five, verse ten. Matthew chapter 5 verse 10. Blessed
2: are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Daniel was persecuted when he was thrown into the lion's den. The three Hebrew children were persecuted when they were thrown into the fiery furnace. Paul was persecuted when he was back whipped and stoned. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In our day and time, people will be persecuted for not bowing to the image, for praying in Jesus' name, for not taking the mark of Islam, for not buying halal products and so forth. People are going to be persecuted in our day and time for our faithfulness and obedience to Jesus Christ. But blessed are we when we're persecuted. Blessed are we when we're beheaded. Blessed are we when we're stoned that people will be stoned when people are beheaded, stoned, or backwhipped, and people will be backwhipped right here in America, all these things that are written in the Bible are going to occur again right here in the United States and across the world. All of this is written so that we can go through it easier, better, stronger. God is the potter, we are the clay. And that clay, if it's a live-living being, and it's spinning around and making you dizzy, Spinning around and around and around. He splashes water in your face. He's spinning you backwards. He's getting his hands in there. And if that clay is live, it's like, oh, my God, you just did my leg backwards. All right? I know that's a foolish analogy. But it's true. It hurts to be bent, to be formed. And then sometimes the potter has to smash it and start all over again. Amen? Blessed are we when we get smashed. Amen. Verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you. Thank you for calling me a fool. Thank you for calling me a hypocrite. Thank you. And persecute you falsely. Falsely. We've got to make sure the claims against us is not true. Persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. That's what the scriptures say. Is this being overly foolish, or is this what the scriptures actually tell us to do? It's hard, but we need to get there. How do we get there? Reading the Bible, praying, fasting. Because if you read this verse over and over and over and over, and all the scriptures, if you stay in the Bible, it's going to get ingrained into your mind. If you watch sci-fi movies constantly or listen to certain kind of music or read certain kind of books, that gets ingrained into your mind. You read this, this is going to get ingrained into your mind to rejoice and be glad, and even through your trials and tribulations. There may be a day coming when we won't have this written Bible. That day may come. We've got to get it ingrained in us. The Bible says that he will write his law in our hearts. Well, that ain't going to happen unless we're reading it. Verse 12, rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. They are our example.
0: Look at chapter 10, Matthew 10, verse 16. Matthew 10, verse 16. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of woods.
2: So be shrewd, or be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. But beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you, meaning back with you, in their synagogues. That means in the church. In the synagogue. And this is going to happen again in the churches, in the mosque, and in the Jewish synagogues, people, followers of Jesus Christ in the end time will be back whipped in the church buildings. Watch and see. Because we refuse to give up the name of Jesus. Because we refuse to give up the truth. We refuse to believe Babylonian doctrines. We refuse to partake in their customs and traditions of men. They're going to back whip true Christians in the synagogues. The synagogue is a Jewish church building. So in the end times these Jewish church buildings are going to be following their Messiah, their end time messiah, who is going to be the president of Syria. Moslems will follow him because he's Muslim. Jews will follow him because in his blood, he is Jewish. And because he will be raising the dead, healing the sick, and allowing the Jewish people to continue uh, the old covenant doctrines of circumcision, cleaning unclean meats, all of that, all of that's part of Islam. So the Jews are going to fall right in there and follow him in the synagogue they will bring the true followers of Jesus Christ into the synagogue. Beware of the Judaizers. Beware of the Hebrew roots. Beware of the Old Covenant people. Beware of those of the, circumcision, of the circumcision. Verse 18. And you will even be brought before governors and kings, like Daniel was, for my sake, as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. Verse 19. But when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say for it will be given you in that hour what you are to say. For it is not you who speak, but it is the spirit of the Father who speaks in you. Brother will betray brother to death. This is going to happen in the end time. And a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. You will be hated by all because of my name. Not necessarily doctrine, but the name. What name you use because that we will not give up the name of Jesus. But it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. That's in Matthew 24 as well. Those that endure to the end shall be saved. So we can't just trust, well, I got uh, saved when I was a child. I got saved when I was five years old. I got saved when I was 20 years old. Well, that's good. I'm glad you did. But it's the one that's still standing in the end that counts. Because many will fall away. There's a great falling away. It's already happening. So those that fall away don't count. Because that once saved, always saved is a lie of the devil. It's the one still standing at the point of death that counts. Verse 23. But whenever they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. It don't say stand there and be bold. It says flee. Flee to the next. So truly I say to you, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel until the son of man comes. So that talks about the end time, even in the last days, that we will be persecuted so much that there's going to be people that's going to have to go town to town to town to town until Jesus comes. So that is a prophecy because none of these towns will accept the truth. None of these towns want the truth. They will persecute you and make you flee to the next town. So that's why that some people have to travel an hour, two hours, three hours, four hours to get to services because most towns there is no truth. Verse 24, a disciple is not above his teacher nor a slave above his master it is enough uh, for the disciple that he become like his teacher and the slave like his master. If they called the head of the house Beelzebub, the devil, how much more will they malign the members of his household? Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, which a better translation would be what I tell you in secret, speak in the light. And what you hear whispered in your ear, the claim upon the house tops, verse twenty-eight, do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him, Jesus is talking about, fear who is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. So why are we being taught by all of man's churches that it is impossible to destroy the soul. That if we go to hell, we burn forever and ever and ever and ever. But that soul would never be destroyed. That soul would never die. That soul would never perish. It will always exist like God exists because we're teaching you're God. That's what all these television evangelists actually preach. They actually say, You are God. We are gods. We are little gods. I've heard them say it in my own years. Paula White, Benny Hinn. Joyce Myers, all these, out of their own mouths, they say, we are God. We are little gods. Because they're preparing the people to see a human man who's claiming to be God. That's why they're preaching this. But we are not like God. We do not have an immoral soul. The Bible says there's only one that has an immoral soul. That's what the Bible says. So why are we allowing religion and doctrine and, and ministers that don't even know the Bible you're ingraining to ingrain into our hearts, our minds, our doctrine, our belief that we are immoral like God. God can crush us. God can destroy us. We are worms. God can destroy the wicked. God is sovereign. He is able to destroy both soul and body and health. Do we believe this scripture or don't? Do we believe it or do we believe in that? Do we believe man above God or do we believe this scripture above man? Amen. Verse 29. Are not two sparrows sowed for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father without his knowledge he's talking about. Verse 30. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear You are more valuable than many sparrows. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father in heaven. There's a day coming when we will have to confess. Are you a Christian? Do you know Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? Are you preaching in Jesus' name? We will have to confess before men. Verse 33. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him. Before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. People are always like, well, we've got to get along with the mosques. We've got to get along with the Buddhists. we got to get along with the Hindus. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible never, ever, ever st- says that we need to respect another person's religion. Never says that. Never says that we need to respect false religions. It never says we need to respect cults and false doctrines of man. Never says we need to respect the Catholic Church. Never says we said any of this. It says, do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. He came to bring war. It's not easy, and it's not meant to be. God has come to bring war on this earth. Muslims against Christians so on, so on. Because he is separating the people. Sin, who is worthy for the kingdom? Because we're not going to get just a free ticket. He is testing us. We need testing. Test me, O Lord, to see if I am worthy because I don't want to enter into the kingdom of God unworthily because I don't want to bring my sin, my filthiness, my corruption, into that wonderful and perfect paradise. I don't want to do that. So if I don't want to run into somebody a hundred miles per hour and kill them, then neither do I want to enter into the kingdom with all the filth that I've still got in me right now. Paul said, I have not yet attained. None of us have attained. I've never met anyone that has. If Jesus comes back tonight, which he can't because the Bible is true, that we must have at least 1,335 days of great tribulation in the wrath of God. But if Jesus comes back tonight, I would not go, and I don't know anyone that would. I'm just going to be honest because we're not ready. The Bible says he's coming back for a church without spark, without wrinkle, without, without bloomage. Do you know anybody, any church, any group, any congregation, without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. No. It does not exist. That's why we must be put into the fire. That's why we need to pray out, bring it on. I'm sick and tired of this world. I'm sick and tired of my sin. I'm sick and tired of their sin. I'm sick and tired of all the corruption and the sin and the death and the filthiness of this world. Full in the fire, God, bring judgment. We need a whooping. This nation needs a whooping. I need a whooping. Bring it on. Because I don't like what I feel. I don't like what I see. I don't like what I'm experiencing in this world. Try me, purify me, and get me where I need to be. Realign me. If I need whip, whip me. If I need stone, stone me. If I need to be tied up, back whip, back whip me. Get me where I need to be, to where I can get in that kingdom and be without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish, so I don't bring my filthiness in there to destroy that kingdom. Amen. Praise God. Now look at verse 34. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. But I came to set a man against his father. God did this. Why are we always giving the devil credit for everything? Devil did this. Devil did that. Devil destroyed my family. Devil destroyed my marriage. Devil did this. Devil did not. Father says God did it. The devil was not in control. Stop giving the devil the credit for everything. God did this. But I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies would be the members of his own household. God did this because he's separating the people. He's seeing who is worthy of my kingdom and getting us there so we can be worthy of his kingdom. Verse 37. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. But yet people today are like, I love my children. I love my parents so much that nothing, not even God, will separate us. They might not say those words, but that's what's in their heart. They put their own children, their own parents, their own husbands, their own wives, their own boyfriends, their own girlfriends, their cars, their money, their jobs, their careers, their houses, their lands, their sports. The line just goes on and on and on of what they put before God. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He don't need to be into the kingdom. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Yes, we need to love these people, but God needs to come first. The Bible says something like, "Why does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his own soul? Right? What does it profit to gain, to have your mom, your dad, your brother and sister, uh, the boyfriend, your girlfriend, children, family, friends, houses, lands, monies, and cars. But you don't make it in. Everything else is in vain. Verse 38 And he who does not take his cross and fall after me is not worthy of me. you got to take your cross. Cross is heavy, cross is bloody. The cross has splinters in it. cross is a difficult thing. It's not easy and it's not meant to be. Thank God for the cross. Amen? Thank God Jesus died? Thank God Jesus bled? Do we know what we're saying? We don't do. We? I didn't even know what I was saying, but now I do. Thank God Jesus suffered. Thank God Jesus felt pain. Thank God Jesus was back whipped. Thank God for our suffering. It proves who we are. It proves who Jesus was. And it's going to prove who we are. When we're tortured, when we're tied up, when we're back when we're stoned, when we're facing the sword right in front of our eyes, it attests who we really are. Do we really serve God or not? Are we willing to die for it? Amen. Verse 39, he who has found his life will lose it, meaning cars, houses, jobs. He who has lost his life, given up all the material things of this world, and including family, lost your life. People say, my children are my life. My husband is my life, my wife is my life, my job is my
0: life, my car is my life. Gotta lose it. You gotta lose it. Put God
2: first. The first. That was the first commandment. We'll fight to display it that we don't want to keep it. Put God first. Verse 40. He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. He who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. These are good things. It's a good thing to receive a prophet's reward. It's a good thing to receive a righteous man's reward. Therefore, there's nothing wrong with receiving a prophet or apostle or pastor. These things, these offices, these administrations of the church, of the new covenant, are ordained of God. God has ordained this government of the church for the edifying edification of the saints until we all come into unity of doctrine. We need teachers. Yes, we can study, we can study, we can study, we can pray, we can fast, we can figure it out for ourselves, but we also need somebody to just kind of say, Here's the Scripture. There's the Scripture. We need teachers as long as we're not following the fake, the bad, the wrong teachers. Verse 42, And whoever in the name of a disciple gives one to these little ones even a cup of cold water to drink, truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. Amen. So that was Matthew 10. Let's look at Matthew 19. Matthew
0: chapter 19. Matthew
2: 19, verse 27.
0: 1927, and Peter
2: said to him, to Jesus, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. They left family, friends. Jobs. They left everything. They took up their cross and followed Jesus and followed you. What then will there be for us? twenty eight. And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, that you who have followed me in the regeneration and another life, when the Son of Man will sit on his glory of the throne, you also shall sit upon the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, and everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, people who have actually left their kids, or farms, for my name's sake, for God, putting God first, even above flesh and blood, will receive many times as much, and will inherit eternal life. Now, that is sincerity of following God, to put God so much first that there are people and will be people to leave husband's wives, children, parents. That is worthy of the kingdom. Amen. Those are the kind of people he's coming back for. Amen. Look at chapter 24. Matthew 24. Matthew 24, verse 19. Verse 9, I mean. Matthew 24,
0: verse 9. Matthew 24, verse 9. We're almost done. 24, verse 9. Then...
2: They will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. And you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Again, it's the name that is really going to test us as well. And that's why there's so much out there trying to get us away from that name. The devil's trying to steal our soul. He's trying to kill us by giving us all kinds of bad Names, fake names, wrong names. There's only one name under heaven by which man may be saved, and it is the name of Jesus, amen. Let's go to the book of Luke. Luke 18, and this is the final verse, Luke 18. Verse 28.
0: Luke 18 Verse 28. Peter said, Behold, we have left our homes and followed you. And he
2: said to them, Truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife, or brothers, or parents, or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who would not receive many times as much at this time and in the age to come eternal life. So repeatedly the scriptures talk about putting God first, putting the kingdom of God first, putting our eternal fate, our soul, over and above flesh and blood, friends, family, Amen. Now, we're supposed to love these people, take care of them, put them first physically, put their physical needs first, give them the shirt off our back. But when it comes to our soul, we put the law of God above the law of man and the spirit over the flesh. Amen. All this in Jesus' name. So be it. Let me turn the internet off and then we'll have questions and answers. We'll have a meal.
0: We'll have fellowship. Let me just...